hello, hello. This is Joy, and it's the Joy of Social Work podcast. Oh my gosh, it is the second episode in 2019. Today, if you are listening on the air day, it is January 20th. Um, So far, well, the day that I'm recording this, it's the 16th, 16 days in. So far, so good. Things are not perfect, but if it were perfect, then it'd be boring. So... I'm just cheer. I'm currently home because I hurt my back yesterday at work. So, you know, I work with kids. I've, like, picked up kids. Not like in, like, a, I'm picking up kids. Like, you know, like the little ones will be like, hey, can you pick me up? Can you give me a hug? You know, like things like that. But I was writing on a dry erase board, and it was on a table, and I leaned over to write on it and, like, felt this extreme pain in my back. And I was like, oh, God, maybe it's not that bad. So I sat down, and I finished writing on the board, and then I, like, could not move. Or every time I moved, it really, really hurt. And I tried to walk around, and it hurt a little less walking, but it was still pretty excruciating of pain. And I was like, I think I'm going to leave work now. So I left, and then trying to get my life together. So I'm home. I feel a little bit better. I took a muscle relaxer last night, which I've never taken one before. I guess because I've never needed one. But I took a muscle relaxer and I was on the phone with my friend and I just like all of a sudden started to fade out. She's like, you're sleeping. I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, yes, you are. You was just snoring. And I felt like my words were like getting slurred and it was taking me a while to get thoughts out and then at some point I think I was just saying things she's like just hang up the phone because you are not even in this conversation I'm like no 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 I'm listening and then and she's like no 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 you are not here anymore (laughs) you should just hang up and it felt very much like when I got my wisdom teeth pulled out I was like put me to sleep because I don't want to feel any any pain and they're like okay and I remember being in the chair and the dentist being like count back from 100 and being like 199 and then I woke up in recovery so <laughs> that's kind of how the muscle relaxer felt um that I woke up this morning like pretty dry I was trying to send like an email that said I wasn't going to be at work and that was fun trying to compose I think I sent it twice but whatever they get the message but anyway so yeah and one of my coworkers texted me I was like yeah well, okay um I heard you I hurt yesterday I heard you weren't feeling good yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I hurt my back. She was like, what were you doing? I was like, writing on the board. She's like, all that popping and moving you be doing here, you going to hurt yourself writing? And I was like, I know, right? So ironic. Hashtag, this is almost 35. <laughs> but I think it's like, get your life together, Joy, because you about to break down. So one of my goals is to be a little bit more healthy. And like when I say a little bit more, like all the way more healthy. Um, So that is something that I'm definitely going to be working on in 2019. Uh, my plan was actually to go to the grocery store yesterday, but, you know, that didn't happen because I hurt myself and I could not walk around the grocery store. And I ain't got to like that for somebody to do personal shopping for me. So until I do, I'm going to have to wait. Or until, like, one of those, like, first direct people decide they want to sponsor this po- this podcast and <laughs> give me food for free. You know, I got to I'll p- hopefully be up and moving better tomorrow and get to go to work and go to the grocery store so I can, like eat better because maybe my weight is contributing to this pain. I don't know, but it is not fun, and I hope that it stops soon. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's what's going on in my life currently, currently, currently. Also, 
The Joya Soul Show Work Podcast one year anniversary event is next Sunday, January 27th from 2 to 6 in the Bronx, New York. Woo! I'm so excited. Like, I am very, very, very excited about this event. I think it's going to be a good time. Um, if you are coming, thank you for buying your tickets. If you are not coming, I mean, if you are coming but you haven't purchased the tickets, please, please, please do so. Um, there will be a cutoff, I think, that Friday before that they will stop going on sale because I need to send out emails with locations and stuff, and I want to make sure I have the name and information for everybody who said that they're going to be there, and I don't want to be scrambling and rushing and doing that Saturday and Sunday morning. So please, please, please get your ticket if you want to come. Again, it's Sunday, January 27th in the Bronx. Um, tickets are $25 because I wanted it to be a nice time for you and for me. And there's food, and there's drinks, and there's fun, and that's not free, at least <laughs> not on my social work budget. Now, once I'm, like, living a better life, then y'all could come and enjoy these things for free. But in the meantime, it's $25. You can purchase your tickets on Eventbrite. If you follow me on Instagram, the link is in my bio. If you do not want to pay the fee on Eventbrite, you can cash at me, Joy, J-O-I-S-W. So cash app is Joy, J Cash app is Joy SW, um, and you can just send the $25. Make sure in the for section you write your email address so that I can send you all of the logistics because the location is not on the event, uh, not on the evite or on the flyer because I got to um, protect myself because, you know, folks don't like me <laughs> or they do. And I, either way, I don't want them to come. Um, you know, don't want the stalkers to come, and I don't want the folks that that are not here for the girl to um, pop up. So please come out. I think it's going to be a good time. I'm really excited. I think that it was a lot of podcasts that were started in 27, 2017. I don't ever know what year it is. I told my friend, in 2015, I'm going to do better. She was like, that That was some years ago. I was like, you right? Because I don't be remembering. Um, in 2018, and some of them had great success, and then life gets in the way, and you can't be as consistent as you want to be with it. So I'm really happy that through all of the the things that went on in 2018 that I was able to keep consistent with this podcast it comes out every other week um people are still supporting it I'm you know I'm I'm really blessed and really excited and I really do want to celebrate the only other time that I've celebrated a success that's not been a birthday is when I got my master's so for me this is like on the same level somewhat of of getting my MSW despite the crazy that went along with all of that so Again, please, please, please come out if you can. Uh, the event's on Eva. I can't speak today. The event is on Eventbrite. Cash at me, Joy SW. Um, I even like paid for a promotion through I Don't Do Clubs. So if you follow them on Twitter or Facebook, you might have seen the post. If you go to their website, it's on the calendar. So like, support your girl, please. Thank you. Um, and if you can't make it, but you still support, just say you know. Send me a little, like, note of encouragement that day because I'm probably going to be nervous and, like, sweaty and weird <laughs> and awkward <laughs> because there are people who are coming that I have not met in person, which is dope because, like, you know, it's always good to have your friends support you. But when people that don't know you support you, it's even better because you have no investment in me other than, like, you fuck with me and what I'm saying and my life and my story and my and your connection to me. So I appreciate that so much. Um, So I can't wait to meet people. 
I'm excited about it. I just took a painkiller if you have not noticed. I am rambling a little bit, but this all makes sense. I'm going to slow it down because I'm like, you are confusing people. So yeah, so that's going on January 27th. I'm really excited about my Homegirl Carries event. If you listen to the last episode of 2018, um, we talked about her doing a vision board party. It's her. It's happening this Saturday, so you'll hear this after her event, but Saturday, January 19th. What's that noise? I'm home by myself, but I feel like I just heard a bang. Okay. If I go missing, y'all know. Come look for me. Um, So I'm really excited about it. It's a vision board party. Last year, she had one. And one of the things that was really big on my vision board last year was my podcast. And I do think that that was probably one of my biggest successes of 2018 is like, like I said, being consistent with it and like keeping it going and working on it and like being open and honest with everybody and not letting like feeling like I'm not being supported get in my way. So I'm really excited to see what it's going to be like this year. I don't really know what I want to focus on in 2019. I think I kind of want to be in love and shit, but I don't really know. And I feel like I can't have too many things on it because I get overwhelmed by a lot. Like, I'm the person that is like, I'm starving and you give me a plate of food. And if it has too much food on it, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed and I can't eat any of it. So, I can't, I literally can't have too much on my plate because it just becomes too much. So, I'm going to think about it. I got a few more days um, to see what it is. Maybe I'll post my vision board. I'll probably post my vision board so you guys can see what's on it. And I'll talk about it maybe next time. So, what else is happening emails and shit um so my mom's birthday is coming up my mom's birthday is january 24th and so probably after the last podcast aired into like i don't know recently not so much like nah not not so much like today but like I've been feeling, like, funky. And I'm like, what is this? Why do I feel like this? And I'm like, oh, joy, duh, your mother's birthday's coming up. That's why you feel funky. And it's something like, some years, it's cool. Some years, I'm cool. Some years, anniversaries, birthdays, and stuff come by, and I'm fine. And other times, I'm like, such a bitch. And I'm like, why am I such a bitch? Why do I hate everybody? Why don't I want to be around people? Why do I just want to stay in bed? I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do anything. What is going on? And it's literally like oh, there's a thing that happened around this time and you are feeling it. And I think I talked about this before um, in a previous episode. I have no idea which one it is. But I was like looking it up, doing more research because it's a thing that people experience. I made a post about it and someone was like, yeah, I feel like that too. And I'm like, okay, so this is not just me. And I know that it's not just me, but other people experience this and it's called anniversary reaction. So according to... The U.S., let me get my sources right. According to the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, anniversary reactions um, are your, your, your physical reaction or physical emotional reaction to traumatic events that happen into your, in your life. And these memories can be triggered by reminders, but memories can also seem to come from out of the blue while at work, home, or doing recreational activities. So literally... I can, like, be doing nothing. And I'm like, why do I feel so funky? I'm not doing anything. And it's because it's January and my mama's birthday coming up. And then the other part of it is February's around the corner and Rashim's birthday's in February. So it's, like, kind of like a back-to-back hit. Then I get a little bit of break and then I'm 
in Shams from end of May through, from not even, excuse me, from Mother's Day to Father's Day, I'm in Shams. So, and then there's a little bit of a break and then it's August and then I'm in like a baby sham, but like not as bad of a sham from May to June that I am in. So this year, I don't know what I'm going to do for my mother's birthday. I don't have like a plan. I think that I'm going to take the day off of work. Um, My supervisor came to do supervision (laughs) the other day. And she's like, how are, you? how are you? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm kind of a fall, kind of a fall, da, da, da. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I mean, it could be because my mother's birthday's coming up. And her mother's passed away, too. So she's like, what? No, no, you will take the day off. And I was like, but I might wake up and feel like I can come to work. Especially now that I've, like, hurt my back. Now I'm like, oh, this, I'm off today. And then I'm going to take a day off next week. That feels like a lot. But, I mean, it's different reasons. I was planning on being at work today, but my back said, chill. I'm going to rest. So, yeah. My baby Beverly's birthday's coming. I love my mom. I miss my mom so much. Like I said, guys, I'm going to talk a lot about, a lot more about my parents this year because um, other people have been reaching out and saying, like, talking about moms and dads and, and losing your parent is a thing that they want to hear about. So it is a thing that I will talk about. The good, the bad, and the ugly of parents. <laughs> Not that there are bad and ugly, but there are. But yeah, so that's what's going on. In my life. So I got a DM the other day or the other week. And the person asked me, have I ever experienced long periods of sadness before I lost? They said my three angels. Because I think I made a post and I called my mom, my dad, and Rashi my three angels. And so I was like, have I experienced a long period of, have I had a long, experienced a long period of sadness before they died? And my initial reaction was like, yes, definitely have. Um, My dad died August 19th, 2009. My mom died June June 10th, 2011. And Rashim died May 26th, 2017. Which is crazy that it's almost been two years. Like, I just can't even... I was talking to my friend the other day and I was like, yo, it's almost been two years since he died. She was like, I was thinking about that the other day and I didn't want to say anything to you. She was like, but it has... I was like, it's crazy. Like, she was like, it literally feels like yesterday. I'm like, it does feel like yesterday because she was with me when um I got to the she came with me, she left work with me and went with me to the hospital. I'm sure I told this story before. Um, but so she was the friend that was with me. And I'm like, it like I can literally I know what I had on. I don't remember what she had on, but I remember what I had on. I remember like the room that we were in when they told me. I remember being on the floor. I remember the color of the chair. Like I remember so many things about that day so vividly. I remember like the light that I was at when his cousin called me crying and I didn't know why she was crying and like throwing my phone and my friend picking it up and being like, we're almost at the hospital. Like I remember all of that. I remember the cab driver. I remember um, his mom being like, I think you should come to the hospital and going to the bathroom and praying and being like, God, don't you do this to me. Do not do this to me. Do not do this to me. Please do not make this man die. He has to live because I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Like, you cannot take another person from me. I remember that. And then I remember us getting in the cab and being like, I think he's dead. And she was like, why would you say that? And I was like, I just feel like I think he's dead. And I like I just remember it so vividly. And it's so crazy to me that it's about to be two years. I'm like, where did that go? How has it been two years already almost? I don't know. But anyway, I digress. But yeah, crazy. Um, and so, so I say yes. So 
I would say for a good part of my childhood, I felt probably, I don't know if I would, I mean, like, I would say that I was depressed. Um, And I think a lot of it came from just feeling like I didn't fit in, feeling like I didn't belong, um, having real low self-esteem, and it being validated by the people who I respected, or maybe not respected, but the people who I wanted um, uh, acceptance from. And so by them telling me that I was fat and ugly, I definitely continued to believe that I was. And so it led me to be pretty pretty sad of a kid. And I've talked about like the things that I found from my childhood. And I've been like, wow, somebody should have like intervened. But I didn't like in the seventh and eighth grade when I think it was probably the worst. Nobody like I talked to my friends, but in a joking way. I've always been like the funny friend and like I would draw pictures of me in a straight jacket and be like I need some help and everyone would be like ha 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 you're so funny and it's like no like y'all should help me please <laughs> like a bitch is struggling but you know people didn't people laughed at it and I think probably because I laughed at it I, humor is a huge defense mechanism for me if I can make something a joke so it doesn't hurt as bad and the sting is a little less then I'm making it a joke. My friends before I became po- like before podcasting became the thing, like the avenue for me. People were like, just do stand up because I would talk about things so comical or is it comical or comedic? Co- comical? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know words sometimes, but I would talk about things in a funny way, like my parents dying. Like, and like, not that I think it's funny, but something like, so here's an example. So my, when my dad, my dad died in his sleep, my mom called me, I think your dad's dead, that whole thing. And when I, so like later on in that day, the police came, when the, when the coroner came to take my dad, the police also came and they were like asking questions. And I was in my old bedroom, like sitting in the window, it was very like dramatic. I was sitting in the window crying, I was looking out the window, whatever. And a cop came in and he's talking to me, he's talking to me about his dad dying and all this stuff. And, like, later on, I said to my mother, like, you know if you wasn't walking around here with that oxygen tank and all disabled and stuff, they would think you did it. And, like, we laughed about it because it was, like, one, I think we needed to laugh because it was just, like, such a big shock and it, like, hit us so hard. But it was, like, funny because the reality is I think people do look at spouses funny when your your, your spouse just dies, like, all of a sudden in their sleep relatively um, healthy person. Then you're telling them like, no, he's healthy. He didn't have any medical problems. Da, da, da. And they're looking at you like, but you on this oxygen tank. So I'm going to say you didn't do it, but I'm side eyeing you. And so, you know, we laughed about it. And so I would tell those things to my friends and they're like, oh, you should do stand up. And I'm like, I don't think I could be funny on command. Like, I think I'm funny telling the story, but on command on the stage, I'm sure that I would bomb and then my feelings would be hurt and whatever. But so anyway, so seventh, eighth grade was probably when it was the worst. Um, I do remember having conversations with my mom about suicide and saying, like, things are too hard. People don't like me. I don't want to live. Because I put a lot, and like, and I think sometimes I still do, I put a lot into how other people feel about me. And I want to be liked less now. Like, that part of it, like, being liked is, a little, is, is much less now than it was at 12. I think at 12 and 13, and in your adolescence, you want acceptance and you want people to like you and you want people to care about you even if you're like I don't care I don't need no friends you do like you value those relationships and they 
validate you as a person. And so when I felt like I wasn't validated, and then like, and, and I always had good female friends, but I never had like male friends that were, because I liked all the boys. So I liked all the boys and they didn't like me back. And I was like, well, I must be this like terrible human. So like, why am I even here? I'm not capable of love in like the seventh grade. And I remember my mother, not the best approach. And like, we can go into it. We could do an episode about it um, that I would love to do with like other mental health professionals about like how to talk to your kids about suicide and depression and anxiety and even like bipolar, you know, like other mild, more mild, and I don't want to say mild forms of mental health um, because it cannot be, Um, but like the more common things that I feel like adolescents in, in general experience like depression and anxiety um that you can kind of like see more than like they're being having to be diagnosed with something that's like bipolar disorder so you know I would love again to have that conversation if you are a mental health professional and you would like to talk about that with me let me know um email me the joy of social work at gmail.com but I remember talking to my mom and I was saying like I was gonna kill myself she was like how are you gonna do it and I was like I'm gonna jump off the building we lived on the sixth floor our building went to the seventh floor. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could, like, if I jump out off the building and jump out the window, like, I hurt myself. And my mother's response, again, as someone who didn't believe in mental health the way that I did or I do now, was like, we probably won't kill yourself. You're just going to break your leg. And I was like, okay. She's like, and you don't want to be in a wheelchair all of your life um, because we don't even live in a building that's wheelchair compatible, so... You probably shouldn't do that. And if you kill yourself, we won't get your insurance money and you won't be buried. You know, like things like that were like the deterrence. And I was like, oh, man, well, I don't want to not be buried. Like, because this is how my adolescent brain thought. I was like, oh, I don't want to not be buried. However, those are things that still stick with me as an adult of like, well, if something were to happen, like in in the 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 the, the moments that I have been like this is a lot like life is a lot like what what is what is we gonna do, and I've been like well we can't get insurance money so I don't want anybody to start a GoFundMe for me I don't want anybody to have to sell food for my to like bury me, so we just gonna just just tough it out and and make it to the mountain but that doesn't work for everybody but again this is not what this is about this is about me feeling long periods of sadness and what I've done. So I said yes. I felt long periods of sadness. And she was like, well, what things have you done when you felt them? And so I'm like, oh, man, depends on the age. It's all varied. When I was younger, I journaled a lot. I talked to my friends a lot. Um, But again, like I said, I talked to them in more of a joking way. So it was less of like, I really, excuse me, I really feel sadness. More of like a joke of like, ha, 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 ha. I'm so unhappy with life. Everyone laughed. Sorry, I was getting parched. Um, in high school, I was in counseling, therapy, whatever you want to call it, from ninth grade to 12th grade. That I felt was really helpful because in high, in high school, my depression or sadness, I feel like really manifested itself in anger. And I was angry that my mother was sick. I was angry that I had to help her. I was angry that I felt like my father wasn't doing enough. Because we all lived in the same house. And I felt like if I got to wake up and go to get ready to go to school, go to school, depending on the year. So like junior, senior year, I had a job during school year. Um, senior year, I also had a job. And I did work study at school because 
because my both of my parents weren't working at the time, um, and I went to a Catholic school, like the cost of tuition was more than they were bringing. Not not necessarily more than they were bringing in, but it was causing a financial strain. So I did work study to help alleviate some of that financial obligation. But so, but then I still had a job. I still had to go to school. I still had to like get get good good grades so that I could go to a good college. Like there was a lot of pressure. And it was a lot of pressure that I couldn't handle on my own. And so I became angry. I, like, would snap on my mom. I took a lot of my anger out on my mom. I took most of my anger out on my mom. Like, she was the person who would receive the brunt of it. And then it was really fucked up because she received a lot of it from my mom, from me and from my dad. So, like, I think neither one of us really knew how to cope with her being sick and seeing somebody who, who's so strong and so vibrant, like, now start to deteriorate and fade away. And I think we couldn't handle it and we became angry at her. And it was like, we shouldn't have been angry at her. Like she didn't make herself sick, but we didn't know who to, and then it's not that we could have been angry at anybody actually. Cause like, we're going to be angry at God. I mean, like I've gone through that and that's definitely been a part of my journey in loss. Um, but we just like, didn't know what to do. I remember like she would like drop stuff on the floor and I, and my mother had an illness called scleroderma. If this is like the first, one of the first episodes you've heard me talk about my mom, she had an illness called scleroderma. Um, it's an autoimmune d- disease and it's a chronic illness. And it caused her, initially she found out she had it because her joints started to tighten and her fingers started to bend. And so um, imagine like if you like bend your fingers, imagine that's all you can do. You can't straighten your hand. You can't like, Put your hands together unless they are bent. So a lot of like her mobility was limited. And so she would drop stuff on the floor and she'd be like, um, she called my dad by our last name that I almost said, but I like, I'm weird about people knowing my last name if you know my first name. I don't know. I don't want people to be Googling me. But so she asked, she would ask him to pick it up. And then he'd be like, oh, why you can't pick it up? And then she's like, because I can't. Like, if I could pick it up, I would pick it up. And I would see that. And then I would be like a teenager with teenager things going on. And she'd be like, Joy, can you pick it up? And I'm like, oh, my God, you always need somebody. And it was never fair to her. And, like, it's probably one of the regrets that I do have is that we did not always treat her very nice because we were so angry. And maybe if... Like my dad, and then maybe if I didn't see my dad model those behaviors, maybe I wouldn't have done them. But I would talk about them in therapy in school. And I'm like, I'm just so angry. Like, I just want to fix it, but I can't fix it. And and then it wasn't always like, and I feel like that now I feel like I've painted myself to be like this like nasty little teenager who was always yelling at my mom. And I wasn't. Um, but there were definitely times because the reality is even if you're in therapy or you're in counseling, you're not perfect overnight. It takes time. It takes work. And like the reality is life is still going on and things are still hard. So it's still hard to really fully accept. And I don't think I ever will accept that my mother died the way that she did and how she did and that there are illnesses that just can't be cured. Like that's crazy to me um, with all of the medicine that is there. But I think that that's part, whatever, that's a whole nother story. Like that's part of why people can't get well. But I digress again. So... I, I even remember in high school going to confessional. I'm not Catholic, but like my Catholic friends were like, well, we talked to the priest because he is like, 
I don't know. They explained it in a way that I was like, mm, side eyeing priest. But like, whatever. If that's what you believe in, I go to this school. Why? Why not? Let me go talk to him. So I go talk to him, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm angry sometimes. I yell at my mother. <laughs> he was like, well, like we're like talking about it, and it was like kind of like talking to the counselors at my school. Um, but it was just like a religious person, and he like told me like I shouldn't be angry at my mom, and I shouldn't be angry at God, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, okay. But, like, that was kind of, like, what younger Joy did. When I got older, I, um, I've, I've like, been in and out of therapy. I've talked about that before. Um, I would say I also experienced a long period of depression in my first relationship because it was so unhealthy. And I just, like, it's amazing to think how I stayed in that for so long because it was so toxic and how I like didn't love myself at all like I really like hated myself because I I was letting somebody make me hate myself and and like tolerating the cheating and the disrespect and the the well at least I don't hit you you know like that is terrible it was just terrible like how it all went down and and I like and I know that I was depressed and I know that I wanted to get out of it, but I did not know how to get out of it because I did not have, feel like I had worth and I felt like I I couldn't say like, I'm breaking up with you, even though I would say it, but then I'd be like, no, but I want to be back with you. Like, it was just like a lot of, of like self-doubt that caused me to just take this abuse, essentially. So many, so many, so many, so many years and I was depressed and I had gone to therapy at that time. And I remember the therapist being like, well, you said, who's your support system? I'm like, my friends. And she was like, well, you said you had a, in a relationship. <laughs> Why not your, your partner? And I was like, I can't come back here anymore. She knows too much. Like, I just felt like, Mm-mm. I felt like I was too naked and vulnerable because that would be me having to look at my relationship in that moment with a person, with a stranger and saying, this isn't worth it. And I couldn't do it. And I like never went back to her. Um, but that's part of the work. It's like you really have to do the work. And so in, in, in adulthood, I've also like gotten into church. There was a time that I was like very much into church. And I and like the church that I grew up in, you know, when you grow up someplace, people tend to see you still as a child. And they never like respected I feel like my friends and I as adults and we're like you know we're in our 20s we're in our late 20s we're almost 30 or we are 30 and you still see us as children and you don't respect us and treat us like the young adults that we are and so we all like took our time and we just kind of all left but there was a time that I was so into it and I was so into God and I was so into church and like I prayed a lot and I read the Bible, and, like, now I don't do that as much. I still pray. I, I sometimes, like, my goal is always, like, before you do anything, just pray. And sometimes I'm, like, driving to work, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I ain't pray. Which is <laughs> probably not the way you should talk about praying. But I'll, like, pray. Because a lot of it is really just saying thank you. Because I am grateful for each day, whether they're, like, the worst day ever Or they're a great day because I did get up. And that's not something that everybody else was able to do. So I did have, I've gotten really into church. I've also gotten really into exercise. I think part of when I lost a lot of weight before was because I was um, 
trying to feel better. And I did. Like, exercise absolutely makes you feel better. It, re- it increases your endorphins. All that they say about exercise is true. I just hate the gym. I like to dance, though. So that's, like, my preferred exercise. But that also, like, led me to have weird self-image issues because I was down to my lowest adult weight. Probably, like, down to the lowest that I'd weighed in many, 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 many years. I mean, talking about, like, to childhood. And I still felt fat. I still felt like, oh, maybe I look weird. Maybe I should lose more weight. People would be like, oh, don't lose any more weight. Your head is big. Like, I just lose, like, a lot. But I had, like, weird self-image issues. I felt like I couldn't. I, like, didn't really love myself. I also, like, came to a point where... I think, and this is in general in my life, I think I self-sabotage a lot. And um, I got to a point where I was like, oh, I'm almost, I'm like eight pounds from my goal. I was nine pounds from my goal. I was like, great, I'm going to not eat vegetables <laughs> or exercise. And then I've like gained that and some back over the years, um, which is also why I like am celebrating one year of this podcast because I haven't sabotaged it yet. And I won't. I won't. I won't. I'm a, I'm a new person. New joy. New year, new me. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of things that I've I've embedded myself into to feel better about my depression or when I've been really, really sad or like, you know, I'm convinced. I have dysthymia. I have, you know, chronic depression. I've, I've never been diagnosed, but I am pretty sure that's what it is. I'm pretty sure I've been depressed for years. Um, and now anxiety plays a part in that. I've been, I have been experiencing anxiety again. Um, and it might be because it's around this time of the year. You know, I feel like the holidays, like the end of the year comes and it's like, okay, I'm a little better. All of these anniversaries and shit are gone. Then the holidays come and I'm like, fuck the holidays. And then I'm like, okay, I feel better. And I'm like, fuck, it's my mom's birthday. Like, this shit just happens all over again. Um, so I don't know if I'm anxious about that. I've really been anxious about, like, dying and thinking about that a lot. And I'm like, stop thinking about it. But when you're anxious and you're like, now I can't breathe. Now my heart is racing. Now I'm about to die. Like, it's it's all connected. Um, but another thing that I have done is go to my friends. And so sometimes talking to your friends is great and it's helpful. And sometimes it's not because, one, your friends are your friends and they will say things to make you feel better, usually. I remember... Um, when my mom, when anybody died, I didn't know all of them. My friends, you know, oh, don't be sad. It's going to get better. You know, you know, they say all of the cliche things that I'm like, shut up. Stop saying that to me. Um, but they just want you to not feel sad. Because, like, that's what friends are for. Um, but my friends, I've always, I've always said, like, I think I have, like, some of the best friends. I have a really good support system. And they are there, whether it's, like, helpful or not. But most of the time it's helpful. Like nine out of 10 times, like even if it's just like, I'm just going to sit and look at you or we're going to like go to dinner or we're going to like go to brunch or we're going to like walk around and take a walk or I'm going to go to the gym with you or we're going to go to a dance class. Like my friends are always just there to be there. I mean, like last night, shout out to Maya. I'm like laying in the bed and she's like rubbing fucking, not icy hot, but something like that on my back. She didn't have to do that, but you know, like I got good friends. And I appreciate all of them. But then on the flip side, and this is what the person said, is like, well, I've tried a lot of that and this hasn't worked. So my question is, the question that I'm answering in all of this is, what if you don't have that? Or what if I've tried all of that and it doesn't work? What if I've talked to my friends? What if I've gone to church? What if I've exercised? I've lost weight. I'm feeling good. 
but I've journaled, I've gone to therapy, and none of these things have worked. I'm still fucking sad. What now? And at first I was like, huh, that's, that's, that's real. Because everybody doesn't have a real good support system. And, and I'm learning that more in my adulthood because people do have smaller circles. I think, you know, the older you get, your circle gets smaller. Things happen, people move away, people have families, whatever the case may be. You don't have the time that you used to have, but your circle does get smaller. The people you talk to every day is not the same people you talk to, you used to talk to all the time. And some of them might be the same, but some of the conversations might be shorter. You know, we don't got 10 hours to be sitting and talking on the phone like we did in, in, in high school and stuff. So, like, what if you don't have those things? My go-to answer is always going to be therapy. Because I'm a social worker, yes, and because I do know that it works. I know that, and I think this is the part that makes it hard for people, is it takes time. None of these things are overnight fixes. Therapy is not overnight. It's not an overnight fix. You're not going to go to one session, five sessions, 10 sessions. You might not even go for six months and feel better. You might still feel sad. You might still feel like shit. Like that is very, very possible. But part of it is doing the work and keep on going with it. It's like when it gets rough, still going. When they start to undig some stuff that doesn't feel good. Like when that woman told me, well, you said that your friends are your biggest support system, but you're in a relationship. I should have continued with her because she was going to take me to a place that I needed to be in. But I wasn't ready for that. And that's, a, and that's, that's another part of it is you have to be ready. So if you're like, man, I always feel sad or I always feel these things. I always start dating the same person or I always get in these situations where I give more of myself than people are giving to me. How can I fix these things? You have to be ready to do that because if you're going to therapy and you're making a decision like I'm going to talk to a therapist, then you are making the decision and you're saying and you're contracting to yourself and to this person that I'm ready to do this work. I'm ready to work on these things that I'm, I'm considering issues and concerns and problems in my life. Or I just want to understand why every January I start crying. All right, now let's let's talk about it. And it's going to bring up a lot of stuff and it's going to hurt and you're going to be mad at your therapist. You're not going to like them. You're going to be like, this bitch thinks she know me or this man thinks he know me or whatever the case may be. You like just might not feel good in the moment. But when you do that work and you get to the end, your life still might be in shambles, but at least you have the tools to work with it. Like me, me being in therapy or me being a therapist or whatever, like I could go to therapy. I could go every week. I could talk about the same things. Oh, I miss Rashim. Oh, I miss my mom. Oh, I miss my dad. Oh, all these people are dying. All these people are sick. Oh my God. All I think about is death. I'm so anxious. I can't drive my car more than an hour before I'm like hyperventilating and rolling down the windows, whatever. But if I am not ready to be like, but at the end of the day, I know that they're still gone. They're not going to come back. I'm going to be okay. At some point, whatever okay is looks different for everybody. There might be like people who leave you and you have to like, what do you do next is always the thing. Now what? So if you're not ready for the now what or how can I feel better, none of it is going to work. But once you've made that decision in your mind and in your heart that you are ready to do the work and you're ready to commit to it, then I think therapy can work. I think the other part of it is then finding a therapist that works for you. 
or like you work with, that you feel comfortable with, that you can share rapport with, that you feel like is not judging you, but is challenging you. Like you have to find that because some therapists are just collecting a fee or a check or whatever. And they're going to be like, uh-huh, you want to talk about rabbits? Cool, we can talk about rabbits. Hi, mm-hmm, they so cute, they so snuggly. Uh-huh, you leave, you come back. Oh, what you want to talk about? Bunnies? Okay, that's similar to rabbits, but we're going to talk about it. Okay, this is the, mm-hmm, yep. And they're going to collect all your money. And they're not going to make you do the work because they know that you're not ready to do the work. And they still get paid anyway. But when you find somebody that's like, we're not talking about that no more. <laughs> because what is... What, what, do, what do bunnies and rabbits really mean to you? Did you have one growing up? You know, like when somebody is starting to change the game and they're making you look at your life, you got to be ready for that. And that's when I think the healing begins is when you're ready to like do the work and when you're ready to heal. A lot of us, and, and, I'm, and I'm one of them, a lot of us get caught in like, oh, my life is so sad. All these things have happened to me. Woe is me. I get caught up in that too. And like sometimes I like to vent and people are like, they don't want to hear it. And I'm like, I I just want to be in my feelings and you don't want to listen to it. Okay. Everybody don't want to listen to that. But when that somebody, when you have somebody that does and that is willing to, then talk about that. But then when they flip it and they ask you a question about now what you're going to do, you have to be ready for that. So find somebody that works for you that you feel connected to, you feel a connection with, you feel comfortable with, and be ready to like do the actual work of the therapy. That's always my number one answer. If you feel like you need somebody that looks like you, find somebody that looks like you. If you feel like you want somebody that doesn't look like you, find somebody that doesn't look like you. Whatever will make it easier for you to open up and speak and to talk, then find that person. Also know that it's not going to take five days or five sessions to feel better. It's going to take time. It didn't, like, some of this stuff happened to you in one day, and it, like, tore your life apart in one day. But you've still been dealing with it for a year, five years, ten years, six months. So it might take equally that time to, to work on it and to feel better about it. So give yourself time. Be patient with yourself. And if you can surround yourself by people who love you and care about you and want to see you win, do that. If you don't have that, you can find that. There are people who, like my, my like part of, some of my support system, I met doing a weight loss challenge. And a lot of it, if you listen to the episode with Key, um, I think it's called I Don't Look Like What I've Been Through. She talks about how having a network and a, and a support system helped her through all of the things she was going through. And sometimes like, you got to lean on people. And sometimes it might not be like your best friend. It might be somebody you've known like a few weeks and you're like, hey, I just, I just need somebody. And, and, and like that's uncomfortable. It makes you real vulnerable because now you're like exposing yourself to a stranger potentially. But like sometimes those things create the biggest bonds. You know, my Friend Carrie is doing this wellness challenge. She's done it a few times. People have said amazing things about it. And she's doing another one. If you um, don't follow her on Instagram, check her out, at Carrie Adela. Um, And she's doing this wellness challenge. And so the the women that have been in it, you know, she'll tell me some of the things. Now, she'll tell tell me what y'all talk about. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because that is confidential, and I'm sure, between them and that group. But she'll, like, tell me, like, when people are like, wow, this has helped me because of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, so 
if you just need like a tribe of women, and I'm and this is like not just necessarily just for women, but I feel like most people who listen to this are women. But if you just need a tribe of people, like there are people who are good for you. Sorry, everybody you talk to isn't good for you. Everybody you've told your business hasn't used it for the good. That is the reality of life. But there are good people out there. You have to find them. You have to find your your source or you have to find a therapist or or like something. You have to find the thing that works for you. I was telling, I was having this conversation with Carrie. I was like, I feel like at some point, I feel like there's such a need for therapy and social workers and psychiatrists, psychologists, all that stuff right now because so many people are feeling and feeling comfortable with feeling and talking about feeling that they need people to talk about their feelings to. But what makes me nervous is that there are also then these people who are not um, professionals in the field. And like, and I don't necessarily want to use the word professionals, but like who are just there to listen to people. And that, that that's a bad thing. But if you have something that you think is more significant and you need to talk to a therapist, I would recommend that. Even if you still have both. Because um, there's like certain things that they might not be able to give you that you might need. So like, think about it. But like, find something. Find something and some network to put yourself into so that you can really start to work on you and start to feel better. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay. I was going to talk about R. Kelly, but I feel like every podcast was talking about R. Kelly. And I was like, I, I just, I haven't even watched the documentary yet because I feel like it's going to make me so crazy that I cannot. I will at some point probably. But yeah, so this was going to be about R. Kelly and that foolishness that he is about. Um, but I will say this about him. Um, somebody asked me, well, as a social worker, do you think that he should go to jail? And I say, yes. And they're like, well, he was like molested too. I was like, yep. I'm not saying that he shouldn't go to jail. I mean, I'm not saying that that wasn't wrong, what happened to him. I think that he needs, I'm not saying just throw him in the jail, leave him there. Now, if my mother was alive and she was on his jury, if he ever gets, gets there, she would suggest him chop his penis off and him eat it. Now, it's a little extreme. But I think that he needs to be in some sort of treatment for what happened to him. And to somebody to explore with him why he then did it. Because as a, and, and I hear a lot of people like blaming the teenagers and talking about, oh, well, she was fast and she was grown. Da, 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 da. I think as a teenager or, or an adolescent, your brain is not developed <laughs> to think that anything that he was doing to you was wrong. So developmentally, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. As the adult, he was not, you know, people. And when I went to high school and even like when I was like 14, I was like, well, I like this boy and he's 19. The, the, the children are supposed to like older people. It's weird when the older people like the younger people who are teenagers and like not legal and kids like that's a kid. Um, so that is where I think people are starting to get me a little fucked up when they start talking about it. Um, in addition to. Some of those parents, I'm sure, got paid off. And that is wrong. And they should be held accountable. But I do think R. Kelly should be held accountable. And in addition to going to jail, have some sort of treatment. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that topic. But yeah, if you don't have the things that you feel like you need to be successful in your life and your mental health and your journey, journey of life of healing... 
Try to find a thing that works for you. Try to stick with it just a little longer than you did the last time because it wasn't working. But if that's not working, try something else. Maybe you need a, a, like a combination of things to really, really get to your full potential. But don't give up on yourself and don't give up on, don't be like, oh, none of this stuff works. I'm going to just be miserable for the rest of my life. Like, I don't think that's how we're supposed to be set up. You know, like, some we, you don't know if your life is going to be long or short. If it's going to be short and you want to be miserable, I right, boo, do you. But if you're going to be here for 100 years and be miserable, that's really not okay. You should make the most of it. Really, 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 really try and commit to doing the work and to being happy and committed to your healing. Whether that be through therapy, through a group of friends, whatever. All of it, all of the above. Just, just. Just try to find it. And it might take, and, and know that it's not going to happen overnight. Be patient with yourself and tell the people, if you have people around you, tell them to be patient with you. If you don't have people around you, there are ways to find friends and support. I can maybe help you with that, possibly. <laughs> I think I was asked that before and I was like, I don't know how you find friends. But I think that there are ways. One of my friends relocated to another state and has really good friends where she is through an app. So you got to, like, trust a little bit, okay? Everybody's going to be great. And if, if, okay, or maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't say that. That's not how I want to end. But anyway, thank you for listening. Hopefully you're still tuned in. Again, Joy of Social Work, one-year anniversary, January 27th. Get your tickets, Eventbrite, cash at me, Joy, S-O, Joy, S-O-I? What are you talking about? Joy, J-O-I-S-W. Eventbrite, the Joy of Social Work podcast. Please, please, please get your tickets. Come out and support. It's going to be a good time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for always supporting. You guys are the best. Thank you. Peace. We don't say no. Else.